Hello, hockey fans. Welcome back to the Slapshot Alley podcast. Slapshot Alley is a shooting instruction facility in Richmond, BC. I'm here with former Vancouver Canuck and BC Hall of Famer, Sports Hall of Famer, Cliff Ronning. And today we're going to be discussing the great one, number 99, Wayne Gretzky. Cliff, my favorite shot was the slap shot coming up the wing from a terrible angle over Mike Vernon's shoulder. I saw that and, you know, I saw Glenn Sather's enthusiasm, the fans' reaction. When a player is shorthanded in overtime and able to come up with that play, a key play to win a, a playoff series game. Yeah, I mean, that's why he's called the great one. I mean, he did stuff that uh, most players can't do. I mean, here's a guy that isn't the strongest guy, if you've ever seen him. Um, but he had uh, the heart of a lion, and he had the will to win like no other player I've ever seen. Not by fisticuffs, but it was always by the scoreboard. And uh, that's something I really admired about him. And that one shot you're talking about, you know, coming down the wing um, short-handed with a wood stick, a titan. It was like a log. And he just shot the puck, and it went right underneath the bar. And he knew before, once he let that shot go, it was already in. He just he just knew. It was all muscle memory. He's probably tried that shot or done that shot a 100,000 times growing up as a kid, but also uh, just practicing. And that's one thing we talked about uh, last week is if you practice something over and over and over, it's going to happen. And that's what happened for him there. That shot was played back on the intro to CBC Hockey Night in Canada every Saturday the next season. And, you know, with the music, um, my dad was able to get a recording of it on the VCR, and I played it back probably thousands of times. And I got a mental image of that shot in my brain. And I swear, you know, when you watch something over and over enough, you, you start to understand it. And one day, I was able to pull it off in a game. And since then, it's been one of my go-to moves. Yeah. you have anything like that? Well, I mean, for me, I was, you know, I played the power play. That was kind of my first role as a NHLer was, I was like a field goal kicker. Uh, I'd be sent out just for power play. So um, in St. Louis, we had some great players. Obviously, Brett Hall had one of the best shots from the high slot that any player besides Ovechkin and then Adam Oates on the point. So I would always feed Adam Oates and then kind of roll up by the blue line and, and pick it up with some speed. And I kind of had a tempo of one, two, three strides. And then I'd be moving over and then going upstairs high glove. And I probably scored that year about uh, 17 goals doing the same play. But I practiced it um, because that's really the only chance I really had to score. So I kept practicing it because I'd get out on the power play. Teams were worried about Hull in the slot, so they gave me that extra room, and uh, that was my go-to shot. And you can probably look it up and, and see that shot that it's a little half-slapper, high glove. I always ask kids that come in here who their favorite player is. And, you know, sometimes they don't really have an answer for me. Yeah. So having a, 
a role model in my life like Wayne Gretzky, I learned so much. How important it is for kids these days to find somebody that they can be passionate about and follow in their footsteps. Yeah, I think it's huge. I think for kids, uh, you want to emulate a certain player. I mean, everyone wants to maybe emulate uh, Wayne Gretzky because he was that good. But there's certain things he did in the game that probably a lot of people can't. If you're a certain style player, that's not your game. you got to go out and find that player that kind of resembles you, your makeup, your your gene pool in the sense that, you know, if you're a right-handed guy, five foot six, and you, you can skate like the wind and, and uh, you know, you compete as hard as anyone, Theo Fleury was your guy, right? So, I mean, for me, uh, I remember looking back, even Thomas Greening was fun to watch because he was so smooth and, and a, a gentleman on the ice. But Matt Snazlin was another one. But I, especially in junior hockey, um, I mean, I really tried to play like Wayne Gretzky. I'd watch the games on TV, and I would try to emulate him behind the net or coming off the wall. And and the one thing about Wayne Gretzky that a lot of people probably don't know, that he's just one nice guy. Um, and Wayne Gretzky's a guy that he analyzes everything. When he goes on the ice, he's analyzing everyone around him, how fast that guy can skate, like, even when he passes the puck, he sends passes what he thinks that person can handle for a one-timer. Uh, I did spend some time with him in one summer and asked him questions, and his mind was a brilliant mind. It was beyond, like, you know, I thought I was pretty smart at hockey, but his mind was unbelievable of, of picking apart and the game getting slow and understanding, oh, if it's Yuri Curry, I can fire it over as hard as I can. It, it doesn't have to be right on his stick. But then on certain other players, he would have to really put it on a tee for them. Because yeah. in his head, he's thinking so far ahead of other players that, you know, he already knows if that guy can one-time a puck. Or you know what? He might have to look the guy off because there's no way that guy's going to score. So he's going to shoot himself. And that's the stuff that's going through his head. And that's what makes uh, Wayne Gretzky special. And the other thing that I found Wayne Gretzky is his interviews – are, are like the most intelligent, gentle, all about the team interviews, but he played that way. And, uh, you know, I think if you ever met his father, uh, that was kind of the way his dad taught him. And I think that's, I think Wayne Gretzky's role model was really uh, his father. Uh, and obviously Gordie Howe was one that he always idolized, but I don't think he really played like uh, Gordie Howe at all. So overall, Wayne Gretzky, uh, the greatest hockey player you know, obviously you got uh, Bobby Orr as defenseman, probably be one of the, the greatest of all time. And uh, and obviously you get someone, the, the hockey mind of Wayne Gretzky is like a supercomputer, and I think that's why uh, he was so successful. I just saw a interview with Walter Gretzky. I was looking up yep. some stuff to talk about, and it just blows my mind, um, you know, how humble that family is and when they were telling Gretzky that he had natural talent Walter said he didn't have natural talent if you knew Wayne Gretzky as a kid you would see that it took <clears throat> three to four hours a day of practicing the most mundane drills just the basics do you remember doing stuff like that when you were a kid yeah I mean uh that's what's so important about about practicing different things and 
sometimes it's practicing with a, a, a private coach or a, a kid in the garage stick handling and, and pretending he's playing in the game in the NHL or, or trying the toe drag, trying things, you know, and then being able to take it onto the ice into a game. But you have to get the confidence to try different things by shooting, uh, stick handling, all these different things. And it really comes down to different skill sets, but putting the time in. I mean, we talked about it last week about I put a lot of time in lacrosse early on. And it helped me ha having good hands, stick handling, when eventually I, uh, hockey was what I went into professionally. And I really believe uh, being a good stick handling lacrosse is going to translate um, down onto the ice for stick handling and having soft hands. And, and, and it, not just if uh, you're a hockey player or if you're a golfer. Even golfing is, is all mental, but also it's having good hands around the green. As a lot of the dads and moms out there that play golf know, the better players are, have good hands around the green and, and save pars or get birdies that way. The one drill that Walter brings up is just skating in and out of pylons for hours upon hours, day after day. So you could really see how Gretzky developed some amazing skating skills. Yeah, and I mean, you told me that you didn't really develop your skating skills until later. And, you know, in Vancouver, it's not so easy to get ice, right? Yeah. So how did you become such a great skater? You know, I, I think when I look back, I mean, I, I obviously played lacrosse at a young age, played hockey early. I had the effort. I had the try. Um, had to compete, but my skating was a little sloppy. I, I really think what really made me a good skater was I would go to eight rinks. Back then it was even four rinks. And spend, back then it was called casual hockey. Some of the dads out there, I probably played against them or – Possibly they've done it too, and they had stickers on the helmets. And I'd pretty well get there on a Saturday, and I'd play for eight hours, you know, one-hour scrimmages. And it was just a scrimmage. It was out scrimmaging. And what, what helped me was sometimes I'd be skating against someone 10 years older than me, and then I'd be also skating against a kid two years younger than me. And being able to read, oh, I can't do that on this guy. He's pretty good, so i got to move over this way. Or learning what you the capabilities of the opponent is and trying to uh, pick them apart. And I think that really helped me because you're playing against guys five years older with a longer stride. To stay at the same pace, uh, you have to work that much harder and start emulating how they're skating, and it's a longer stride. And skating is, is crucial in the game of hockey. And I think as you get older, the long, nice stride um, using as hardly any energy to go fast and smooth. And then when you do have to really take off, you have the energy when the other guy doesn't. Gretzky was saying that was the one thing he loved about playing with the Oilers is that, you know, having Mark Messier in your practice, he hated, oh. pr he hated practicing against them. He had to, yeah. so they were always racing each other and competing against each other and, I mean, there's no question that uh, Mark Messier probably, you know, he was a one number one center on any team. But because it's Wayne Gretzky, his offensive talents, it wasn't happening. So 
Mark Messier, uh, I would say he's probably the hardest competitor to play against. If he's considered a number two centerman, no wonder they won so many cups. They put him against the other team's best line, right? And I've, I've spent a lot of time. Glenn Anderson's a good friend of mine from Burnaby, and we kind of grew up in the same area. And he says the same thing. that uh, Mark Messier, he was a competitor. He battled hard in practice. And he didn't let guys off the hook. He didn't let Wayne off the hook. He, he, he pushed Wayne. Um, you know, it's kind of almost like a, a, a big brother. You know, he never laid him out in practice, but uh, he made sure that, you know, he played hard on him because I guess he knew that um, when Wayne Gretzky's going to be playing in playoffs, they're going to put a guy against him. And, I mean, that's when it all started, the shadowing. I don't know if you remember that part. They used to put a guy out on Wayne Gretzky and just follow him around the whole ice. And... You don't see that anymore. I wonder if they'll do that against McDavid. Makes sense, right? They used to follow him everywhere he went. But you know what? That split second, he would dart off and all of a sudden get a goal. And now everything changes. So that's what also made him special. I mean, he, he was constantly having two guys trying to check him, leaving someone else open. But he'd be the one making the pass of the open guy. He had, he had vision that... No player's ever had. Nobody's ever had his vision. But also his, you know, like what Glenn Anderson told me is there's a lot of great players he's played with, but there's nobody he's ever played with that could see four steps ahead of everyone, like a chess player. Um, and there's times he would throw the puck, and, and Glenn would be wondering, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden he saw some guy over three other guys onto his stick, and it's in the back of the net, which no one ever saw those plays before. But he'd go and then spin backwards and do that backhand pass. He was phenomenal to watch, for sure. It was the Walter Gretzky exercise on the piece of paper, following the play with a pencil. That's that right. Probably, I heard that. You know, what a great exercise. You're, 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 you're learning the trends of the game. Correct. Did you ever start to understand which way the play is starting to trend? Did it? Absolutely. I mean, to me, I think uh, in junior hockey, I would say mostly when I started playing junior with the newest uh, Bruins, uh, the newest Mr. Royals, I was kind of a young kid, 16 years old, kind of a little bit out of my element, um, playing against 20-year-olds. Wasn't quite mentally there, physically there. But I survived because we had a really tough team. We had five fighters on our team, tough guys that protected me uh, with the Royals. And then eventually with, with, with the Bruins, the game started slowing down a little bit more for me. But from watching Gretzky, learning, okay, where does a smaller guy, where can he hide? Where can he hide and make some plays? So I started getting behind the net, and they'd, the teams would know I was down there, and they'd fight around the boards. I'd get it. And I was quick enough to go side to side, and I'd practice that. And that was something I even did uh, at eight rinks. And that's really, like you said, and people, I guess you don't really realize how much Wayne Gretzky changed the game. He was the first guy to go back behind the net, right, to make plays. Not on his forehand, it was on his backhand. So it was even harder to understand where the puck was going to go. So uh, that, that, to me, is a talent that I think a lot of kids should try. Learn that. It's not that hard, believe it or not, once you get back behind the net because they can only come at you one side and then you're off to the other side and then 
you, you do a little flick pass because you know uh, someone's going to leave their stick out there. So definitely Wayne Gretzky changed the game. And he really did it through the way lacrosse is played. That was really what you did in lacrosse. You get the ball behind the goalie, so he'd turn his head and uh, look for guys coming in. And it's not always the first guy. It's usually the second guy. But if it's not the second guy, it's going to be the third guy for the shot. So um, the game's definitely changed. So let's go back in time. When I was a kid, Gretzky was everywhere. Like My first memory memories of Gretzky, he was already on boxes yeah. of cereal, pro stars, and um, you know they were doing profiles on him on CBC every night. Yeah. They're analyzing every goal that he scores. But for you, you were 14, 15 years old when he entered the league. Had you heard about him before that because there well, was so much hype? The only time I heard about him was when I believe it was the uh, Canadian uh, national team or World Cup U18s maybe. Uh, he played against he played against Russia in Montreal, and they show this goal still. And he just like at sixteen was undressing everybody and putting pucks between their legs, picking it up, going around him. It was the goal he scored was just like absolutely phenomenal. And it was like, okay, was that a fluke? I mean, it was that good, a kid that young, and it was right then and there you knew there's something there. And, I mean, and people people were doubting him. Probably yeah, much they like were. they were doubting you. Yeah, like, absolutely, they were doubting. Gretzky goes on every interview that I watched yeah. this week about him. He he constantly talks about the, his teenage years and the jealousy that brought him down in Brantford, and he had to get out of there because he wasn't enjoying life. He wasn't enjoying hockey. He needed a fresh start in Toronto. Did you ever have anything like that? Yeah, I mean it's it's very common. Uh, I think jealousy comes uh, with success. Um, but I think it's important as, a, as also to the players out there that maybe you are one of the better players in your team. It's important to realize, though. I mean, I realized early because of my coach, Al Patterson, you know, setting me straight. Like, you, you can't get a big head and think you're that all that because it's, you can't, this hockey is a game of teamwork, and, and no one can do it on their own. Right, sure, Mc, Connor McDavid, he's got the skill, speed, but he can't do it on his own. He needs guys. Wayne Gretzky figured that out better than anybody. If you stepped on the ice with Wayne Gretzky, they used to say a fire hydrant could score. Just go to the net. He's gonna put it in, right? So, I had jealousy. Yep, I think it started uh, pretty well when you start winning trophies uh, in tournaments, and then some parents are upset and then what happens is the kids pick up on it the kids pick up on your negative attitude towards that kid the kid's just doing his best and then what happens is all of a sudden you've got two or three jealous uh, parents and uh, now you got three jealous kids now hopefully the kids are better than you and, and they don't go there but eh, most of the time at a young age they're going to have that feeling of, of a little bit of jealousy and, and all that does is hurt. And I think if you're a person that is happy for people, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, the more happy you are for other people, for some reason, I know when I played, I started, things were happening good for me. I mean, the puck was going in the net and I wasn't even trying to put it in. That would go off my rear end. Um, it's just that 
it's kind of karma, I guess you'd say. Well, when you were scoring 197 points with the Bruins that year, that was very Gretzky-esque. And uh, yeah. in the meantime, that same year, Gretzky's starting to win Stanley Cups and breaking records every yeah. every other day. Um, so were you even able to watch him at that time? Oh, yeah. I'd watch the games. I mean, back then, uh, we used to have at my house uh, a giant satellite, one of those big 10-foot huge ones. We were one of the, my dad, and I'd watch, uh, I remember watching Ranger games, MSG, so there were certain games you could pick up that other games weren't on, so I was able to pick up hockey games, and they'd start usually at four o'clock, so I'd sometimes watch maybe the first period and then head off to the rink, so kind of get in the mood, <clears throat> get in the excitement, um, I used to watch, the, well, with the Rangers, I used to enjoy watching Pierre LaRouche, you just seem one of those guys that the puck followed him. Um, and, yeah, he played a little, little risky, but it kind of gave you that feel of going to the rink that, hey, you know what, I'm going to get open, I'm going to get a chance, and just feel loose. And, and uh, that was one guy that uh, was fun to watch. Um, going back to Gretzky, my, you know, here's a funny memory I have. Do you, do you remember the miracle at Manchester? Okay, so let me let me yeah, refresh jog me. your memory here. Yep. It's um, game number three of the playoff series between the Kings and the Oilers in 1982. Okay, I, I saw that. I, yeah, I saw it. Okay, yep. and Oilers go up five nothing. Yeah, and you know it's in LA, so I'm in Saskatchewan, and my dad's yep. like, "Okay, they've won the game. Go to bed." So I go to bed. And I can't remember if it was that night that my dad woke me up or it was the next morning and he had bad news for me that they came back 6-5. Yeah. I never got to see what happened. But the Kings had came back and, you know, I just started, yeah. I, you know, I was young. I, was just, I started crying, right? Yeah. And Because they were up 5 nothing. So how does that happen? Did you ever see that game? I did. Uh, and it's been on quite a few times. Um, they, they love showing it because it's a, it really teaches kids, it teaches, you know, young girls playing hockey, young boys playing hockey, adults playing hockey, that anything can happen in the game of hockey. And it just, you know, when you watch some of the game, it was like the referees early on wanted uh, the Oilers to win. And then the other team just gave everything they had, blocking shots, diving in front of the puck, and then all of a sudden, things just started changing, and they were getting chances, and they were scoring goals, and guys that never scored a goal in 200 games would score a goal. And I mean, they weren't pretty goals, but it was just all-out effort. And I think, uh, especially in L.A., they, they, they show that all the time, all the time on their big screen. So it's a great uh, lesson for kids and anyone playing sport that anything can happen if, if everybody in your team – uh, is is pulling the chain, I guess you'd say, in the right direction. I watched that game two nights ago, and it was the first time I had seen that game since my dad woke me up that day. And I must have <laughs> been about four years old yeah. when, I, when that happened, five years old. And anyways, so I'm like watching this game like just totally crumble on the Oilers, and I'm thinking, in the third period, there's no way. There were so many little miracles. Yeah, there was. There was a 
empty net for Glenn Anderson. There was an empty net for uh, Pat Hughes. There was all these breakaways that were just like crazy, miracle, miraculous yeah. misses. It was almost destiny it was, uh, the for hockey the LA gods. Kings. Has that ever happened to the you? The hockey gods, absolutely. I, always, I believe in that. I mean, what the hockey gods to me is, is if you've worked hard, put in your time, and put in your time, and your competition has kind of relaxed and, and, you know, hasn't worked as hard, but you keep working hard, you keep working hard, you keep training, you keep whatever it is in the sense of practicing, skating, shooting, and everyone on the team has the same mindset. It's really interesting how the hockey gods, much like you see a lot of some guys, they'll go 10, 15 games without scoring a goal. And then all of a sudden they start scoring. And, and usually what they've done, they've got out on the rink early, first guy out there, shot an extra 100 pucks, tip pucks after practice. They did everything they could to be ready. And then you get rewarded. And it's kind of like a little reminder that the game of hockey is all about how much time you put into it and how much effort you put into it. And you'll always get that bounce, it seems. You know, every time, if you put the honest effort in, and I mean really honest effort, uh, you seem to get bounces. Okay, so um, let's send things off with Gretzky. You've got a story. Did you get to play with them? I did. And this was a charity game. It was in, uh, it was in Idaho. Um, and it was a charity game. They're raising money for the... Uh, the young kids that couldn't afford to play in that area. And it was a sold-out rink. It's a small rink. Um, but it was Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. That's where the game was, in a small Coeur d'Alene rink. And there was probably about at least 2,000 people in this stand-up around the rink. And Wayne goes, you know, I haven't, I haven't really played for like two years. He goes, I'm kind of nervous. And he goes, Oh, you'll be okay, I'm sure. But I was surprised. He could he could still skate. He could still make the play. Um, and then I remember uh, setting him up for a goal. And he goes, "Hey, that's the first goal I've scored in two years." You know, it was just that to me was like just hanging out with the guy and how humble he is for such a unbelievable hockey player. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, he the, learned the a lot from Walter. Fame never got to him. No, no. He's actually very shy in the sense that, uh, I don't know, I don't think he's embarrassed of how good he was, but it's kind of like um, he'll never admit it out loud. Or maybe he feels it inside, he should. <laughs> but it's kind of cool that you have someone that uh, is so good at something that they can just hold it in because he doesn't need to say anything because he's that good. And so in the game, I'm playing, a, it's me, I was playing center. He was playing left wing. And my son, Ty, Ty Ronning, was playing right. And then he goes, he goes listen, I'm going to go stand at the blue line, okay? I want you to get the line, feed it over to me. And Ty, I want you to go straight for the far post. This is, I'm telling you, go for the straight for the far post and put your stick on the ice, right? <laughs> yeah. I do what he said. I get it. Get it over to him. He flicks the puck up in the air. Flicks it from the blue line. Ty goes to the net and puts a stick like against, like at full speed. Yeah. It lobs. 
lands flat, hits Ty's stick, and goes in the net. And we're looking at each other like, this can't be, yeah. this can't happen. Like, he just did exactly what he told us to do. So, to me, that was magic. And, and some of the people that were there, I mean, there were some pretty good players there, but uh, for him to do that, I mean, somewhere it's on TV. Like, somewhere they actually videoed this game, and, and he actually did that. And I was like, that's absolutely, no one could do that. You couldn't do that if you tried that a thousand times, what he did. He flipped it up over the player as he's going to the net. It was crazy. So, yeah. Okay, so we're going to segue into our uh, our new segment of the uh, podcast here. Yep. We've got technology here. This is uh, the app that we use to analyze plays, and we're going to do a play of the week. Yep. Here's Cliff's play of the week. It's a uh, Connor McDavid goal. Well, you can see that this is going to get turned over, and, and McDavid, just like Gretzky, slowed it down for a second. But he keeps going in the net on the angle from the shot. He knew it's going to come out at an angle. He knows this guy made a mistake. He pulls up, picks up the puck. Perfect timing. He's so fast that he just kind of, like, he looks like Gretzky right here to me. And then just waits, passes it back. But he keeps going to the net, and he realizes when the shot comes, there's, if there's a rebound, it's coming over here. Now, the big thing is, he didn't use his forehand, he used his backhand. He knew that was the only way that he'd be able to score. So he's reading everything. So right about in here, you'll see he turns his and does a backhand right there. He knows forehand can't score because he's behind the line. You see that? So he turns his stick over and just chips it at full speed. Um, these are the kind of things that Gretzky did. And... Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the modern modern day Gretzky. I mean, I think he he possibly can skate better than Wayne in a straight line, but uh, nobody could uh, turn on a dime like Wayne Gretzky. He used to turn on a dime to make plays, but I think even Wayne would say McDavid's got a little more speed on him. But uh, he's still got work to do to catch uh, Wayne Gretzky. So, but he he's on his way. He's fun to watch for sure. I've got my own play of the week here, Cliff. Okay. So here we go. We've got the situation is the Providence Bruins are up 2-1 against the Hartford Wolfpack. And if you don't know, Cliff's son, Ty Ronning, is uh, playing for the Hartford Wolfpack, the Rangers farm team. And it's late in the game, and they've just come out of a timeout here. Now check out this play. We've got a face-off in the Providence zone. Providence wins the faceoff, and they're looking to break out on the opposite side. A great pinch by the, the Wolfpack, and look at Ty make that little play. He, he loses his man, goes straight to the net, and pounces like he knew what was going to happen before. And I he's now so. tied, or even leading his team in points. No, with uh, right now, like <clears throat> he's got 10 goals in... Uh 16 games, he's got 18 points. <clears throat> but, I mean, the best part about this whole story is, like, especially for people out there that don't know this, Ty's same thing with I had, too small, too slow, whatever. It's the same thing, right? And 
Ty's played, Ty started on this team at the start of the year. He got sat out for the first six games. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys got hurt. Now they put Ty in. And now after 16 games and the rest of them played 10, 12 games more, Ty Ronning's got 10 goals and leads the team in goals. Um, hey, he might get called up to, tomorrow. Who knows? Because I think the it's Rangers are It's only a matter of time now. It's only a matter of time. I mean, it, what I like the best is to all the kids out there, I had a lot of uh, <clears throat> road bumps, speed bumps. Uh, people are, nothing's ever going to go your way as an athlete. But when you really talk to a lot of the athletes, they had even Wayne Gretzky, same thing. Everybody, nothing runs smooth. So when something comes your way, you got to find a way around it, work your way around it, or just go right over it. And I think uh, I'm really proud of him uh, getting 10 goals, uh, leading his team in goals. Uh, you know, it, it, it's really amazing. And uh, I, I just hope uh, other teams recognize it. And who knows, he might end up in Seattle. All right. We're going to switch over to the questions. We, we've got some questions from our uh, loyal fan base of uh, kids and players and adults that we've been coaching for 10 years. Riaz from White Rock. Cliff, what did it feel like playing for your hometown team after being traded to the Canucks for, from the Blues? In addition, after leaving the Canucks, what did it feel like coming back for the first time? Wow. I mean, my, like I said, my, my dream of, of playing for any hockey team was playing for the Vancouver Canucks. And that really started when I was young, like any kid, playing in the streets. Um, you know, and then I didn't get drafted, so then I kind of was just hoping I'd get drafted by anyone. And then when St. Louis picked me up, I was excited. And then I was very fortunate to go to the Canadian Olympic team, back to the Blues, then finally got to play for the Canucks. It was the day I got here. As I'm flying in, I remember flying in, so excited. And then just as we land, my stomach just kind of like turned over like, oh boy, this is it. I either do it or I don't. Like it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it was, in, in, in one way it was, I became very nervous because there was no hiding anymore. I, I have to do it. I have to find a way. And that's helped me. I think the Vancouver fans helped me. They helped me. They embraced me. They, you know, I never got hardly any negative stuff. And then because I think I tried every shift and they saw that. And that's something that other Canuck players got to see. If you're that guy, of, like a Burroughs, just every shift you give it, give it your all. If you don't score, you don't score. But at least you're trying. And I think... Um, the rest of that question was you were. What was it like coming back to the team? Uh, we're playing against. Oh, them playing for against the first them. Time, yeah. I'm trying to remember what was the first game, but did you get? I tell uh, you the you game get, that did, I really. Did the fans receive you well. Yeah, they were. The Vancouver fans have been. I've been so fortunate with them that. Uh, you know, I'm kind of I'm, I'm one of them. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was. I'm a Canuck fan, so. But the one really hard time I had is when I played for the Minnesota uh, Wild. 
because we're in playoffs. Playoff so yeah, and it was you game game seven, coming into you game were, seven. You, Minnesota was down three one in that series, yeah. and you guys came back. Yeah, Jacques Lemaire was a brilliant coach. Uh, that was probably the best on paper team the Canucks have ever had for sure. Um, but we found a way to beat them through our coach. Uh, and and Willie Mitchell really did a number on Bertuzzi, uh, checking him to the ground. And, and you know, Naslin still scored, but Bertuzzi uh, got real frustrated. So we took him off his game, but overall our goalie stood on their head. Uh, we scored some nice goals. I just remember game seven, um, that was probably the most nervous I've ever been in a hockey game, but we found a way to win it. And... Uh, that flight home, uh, we had a good time. I, I remember me and Willie Mitchell uh, doing a couple high fives. So it was it was good. Okay, we got another question from Terrence from Vancouver. And this okay. is one of our kids that trains here. Okay. Cliff, what was your pregame meal and routine? Okay. Well, it depends what level I was playing. If I, like when I played, you know, uh, peewee, midget hockey, uh, it wasn't so structured. But once I turned pro, it was, I would eat always at 12 o'clock, usually be right at 12. Um, it was your typical spaghetti and chicken. So boring, but I just didn't want anything in, in my stomach that, uh, you know, I played a really excitable game, I guess you'd say. I wasn't really a player that, kind of took my time. Everything I did was as fast as I could possibly do it. Um, and certain foods uh, wouldn't agree with me, so I just stuck to the the routine of 12 o'clock I'd eat, go for the nap from 2 to about 3, and then I would head to the rink. Uh, I'd, get, I'd be the first one at the rink at around 4 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game. Um, at 4 o'clock, I'd go straight for a coffee, uh, I'd sit down and I'd watch another game that's on TV in in the in the room, and then go tape my sticks. Everything be just became a routine, and then we'd have the team meeting, and after that you'd start getting dressed and uh, be ready to go. I'm gonna call in our producer here. Uh, we got a new producer, oh, nice. is, and um, I'm, I'm just gonna. Wonder, I'm wondering if there's any uh, any news. From our Facebook Live page? No? Okay. So... Um, well, we're just starting out. But if you're out there, you can ask any questions you want. I mean, I'd love to answer them or... Okay. Uh, yeah, so let's wrap things up. Um, thank you for listening. You can always watch our podcast on our YouTube channel. Just uh, contact us at www.slapshotalley.com. And yeah, send us your questions. We're happy to... Answer anything you want to know about uh, the game, about uh, learning, about um, you know anything hockey. Yeah, I think the other thing is is uh, young kids or adults out there that want the show to go to a certain direction. If we can help uh, your your child or son or daughter with, with different things in hockey, or or be a good influence or whatever, you, you just send an email and uh, we'll try to accommodate it. Okay, that's it for tonight. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.